One of the games that was most fun to play when we were in school, uh, we got to go out for recess, was to get out on the playground and play tag. I'll bet many of you remember playing tag uh, during recess. Now, one of the things that makes tag fun are friends who can run pretty fast because when you get to be it, uh, you know, it's not really much fun to tag somebody you know you can catch and, you know, the game's over. But what was fun was finding somebody that, that could run. And so you remember you'd run and you'd run and you'd run. And finally, you would either catch them or you would give up and go, okay, I'm going to get somebody who's easy. But you know, the thrill of tag, the thrill of tag, it was in the chase. It, it was in going after somebody that you couldn't quite catch. That, that was the thrill of tag. Now, what's true in the game of tag has some spiritual applications as well. The question is, what are you chasing? What are you in pursuit of? What is it that, that you are going after? Well, this morning, we want to think more about those questions as we look in Philippians 3, beginning in verse 12 and following. You'll remember that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, wrote to encourage them in their faith Let's look at Philippians 3. We're going to begin in verse 10 to help us kind of gain some context. Paul says, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it. Because I also have been taken, been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Now, this text teaches that you should passionately pursue Jesus. You should passionately pursue Jesus. Well, how do we do that? How do we pursue Jesus with all that we are? Let's look in verse 12. Paul says in verses 7 through 11, he says that he wants to know Christ more and more the power of, of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And now here in verse 12, he says, I haven't reached the goal yet. I haven't reached the goal of knowing Jesus perfectly. Paul is still at it. Now remember, this is the Apostle Paul. God used the Apostle Paul to plant all kinds of churches. God used the Apostle Paul to write much of the New Testament. And you know what Paul says? I'm not there. I haven't arrived. In fact, Paul says that he makes every effort to take hold of knowing Christ. Now, the word here that's translated every effort in some versions is translated press on, and it's a word that, that means to pursue something. It's a word that means to go after something with the intent of catching it, of getting a hold of it. Now, if you go coon hunting and you've got a coon hound, and that coon hound gets on the trail of a coon, and finally 
He trees that coon, and the coon is up in the tree. What's that dog doing at the bottom of the tree? He's yelping and barking and making all kinds of noise. That coon hound is going to go after that coon with all that he is. He's going to go after that coon with gusto. Now, what Paul is saying here is that he is going to go after knowing Jesus more with every bit of who he is. He's going to pursue the knowledge and love of Christ. He is going to keep going. He's not going to stop until he gets it, until it's treed, if you will. Now, Paul says that he wants to make every effort to take hold of Christ. Why? Well, he says because Christ has taken hold of him. Think about that for a moment. Paul was a fellow who persecuted believers. He, he was throwing believers in prison. And then suddenly God, in his great mercy, just reached down and he got a hold. He got a hold of Paul. And Paul says, because God mercifully got a hold of me, I want to get a hold of him. I want to know him more and love him more. So while this side of heaven, we never reach perfection. We never know Jesus perfectly until we go to heaven. But still, this side of heaven... God expects us to reach a certain level of maturity, and it's a maturity that's meant to continue growing. And we see in Colossians 1.28, Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, we proclaim him, or we proclaim Christ, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So while we never reach perfection, as believers, we should reach a level of maturity, and it's a level of maturity that ought to continue to, to grow Now, do you remember when you were first dating your spouse, that first date? I'll bet you spent a lot of time figuring out what you were going to wear. You were getting all fixed up. But now, fast forward 10 years, 15 years, 20, 30, 40, 75 years. And I'll bet when you go to the restaurant, you go out to eat, you don't spend quite as much time figuring out what you're going to wear, do you? you? You don't do that. There's a little less effort now. But you know what? We do the same thing spiritually. If we're not careful, we begin to take our relationship with Christ. We we begin to take it for granted. We don't put the same kind of energy into knowing Him that we once did. We don't put the same kind of focus into knowing the Lord that that we once did. Paul is saying, you've got to continue pursuing Him. You, You can't let up. Let's think about this in our lives practically. Our you giving your all to know Jesus? Do you make time to to read the Bible? If if you don't, I want to say to you, one of the best ways to begin reading the Bible is to set aside a specific time in your schedule when you're going to stop and go, right now I'm going to spend some time in the Word and in prayer. Maybe you're going to get up a little earlier. Maybe you're going to take time during a lunch break. Maybe you're going to take time right after school or right after work or once everyone's in bed, you're going to take a few minutes then. I, I don't know the the rhythm of your life, your schedule, obviously. But I do know this. If you're going to be in the Word of God consistently, it's going to be because you plan it and you schedule it. You put it into your daily schedule. So so do that if you haven't. Spend good time in the Word, good time in prayer. Do you prioritize worship so that week after week you join with the people of God to honor the Lord? There's nothing magic about church, but church is one of the good graces that God uses to shape us. It's one of the ways that God uses to to make us more like Him. 
It's not like you go to church and you walk away and go, wow, I went to church, now everything's right. I walk with Jesus perfectly. No, but going to church is a a bit like eating a meal. You may not notice the effects, but long-term, it it nourishes. The Lord uses it to nourish and to strengthen you as we gather with other believers in worship. So you prioritize that. You see, these are keys to helping you grow closer to Jesus. There are a lot of others. Time doesn't permit us to mention them. But you can do these kinds of activities, and it'll help you grow deep in the Lord. Now, it's possible to do these things and not grow deep in the Lord. It's possible just to read the Bible in kind of a a perfunctory manner where you're not really putting your heart into it. You're just kind of checking it off the list. Yeah, I read the Bible. Yeah, I went to church. It's possible to do that and not grow in Christ. But if you have a heart... If you're crying out to God and you say to God, I want to know you, and you, then you begin to read the Bible and you begin to pray and you begin to go to church, friend, I promise you, God will begin to shape you. He'll begin to give you a deeper love for himself. So it's possible to do these things and not grow, but I would say to you, it is impossible not to do these things and to grow deep in the Lord. It's impossible to not do these things and grow deep in the Lord. So in what ways do you need to put more effort into knowing the Lord Jesus. So we want to make every effort to know him. What else can we do to passionately pursue Jesus? Well, let's look in verse 13. Paul reiterates here that he hasn't arrived. He he says that again, and what we see in Paul is a remarkable humility. He's leading the, the spread of the gospel among the Gentiles. And yet he says, I haven't arrived. You see, Paul's not comfortable and complacent when it comes to his walk with Christ. Instead, Paul is moving and motivated. Paul says, this one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I move ahead. I forget what's behind and and I move ahead. Now, the word for forgetting here doesn't mean that you forget and you can never recall it again. This is a word that means an ongoing action. We recognize that we can't erase things from our memory. Paul's not saying that. What Paul is saying is that we make a purposeful and an intentional effort to not allow the past to interfere with God's call in our lives today. So Paul says it's an ongoing forgetfulness. When things from the past begin to try to pull me away from the Lord and the Lord's call to my life, no, I'm going to purposely forget them. I'm going to lay them aside and I'm going to put my eyes on what is ahead now, it could be that the past that Paul's talking about is, uh, refers to, to accomplishments that he's had. You know, as a Jew, we, we talked about this uh, earlier in the chapter, he was an accomplished Jew. And it could be that he had a tendency to, to bask in his accomplishments. And it, it also might be related to the fact that, that as an apostle, God had used him in some amazing ways. And so sometimes there's a tendency to sort of just bask in the afterglow of of, of, of God being at work in our lives. We remember a time in our lives where God really moved and we're still happy with that. We're content with that. Paul says the past is not going to slow me down, but it might be that Paul was remembering his days before he became a believer. There were some tough things in Paul's past. Paul violently persecuted Christians, throwing them into prison, supporting the execution of believers? I mean, these are hard things to live with. And so maybe when Paul says, I'm putting the past behind me, maybe he's talking about those days, those days of regret. Or it could be 
as we see in Romans 7 where he talks about the struggle to walk with God and the, 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 the sinful desires of the flesh. It could be that Paul's remembering just his own spiritual struggles. And he's having to put those out of his mind. Whether it was past spiritual accomplishment or whether it was the weight of yesterday's sin and failures, the Apostle Paul would not let the past hold him back. Now, Paul's using athletic language here. You think about this. When a runner is running, does he turn around and look at the ground that he's covered? Not a chance. His eyes are fixed on the finish line. And that's what Paul says. If you're going to run the race of knowing Christ, if you're going to pursue him, you can't keep looking back. You've got to fix your eyes ahead. You've got to keep looking at the finish line. And that's what Paul is doing. Instead of looking back, enjoying the glow of yesterday's successes or wallowing in the regrets of a million what-ifs and if-onlys from the past. No, Paul, he's pressing on. So how do we passionately pursue Christ? Well, we saw first you make every effort to know Jesus. And in verse 13, we see that you passionately pursue Jesus when you forget the past and you move ahead. You forget the past and move ahead. There's a condition known as highly superior autobiographical memory. There are only 55 individuals known to possess this ability in the United States. A person with highly superior autobiographical memory, or HSAM, can remember the past in amazingly vivid detail, day by day. For example, one woman with HSAM says that every morning when she wakes up, that day from the years past begins to scroll through her mind. She said she can remember exact details. She can tell you what she was wearing. She can tell you what she had for, for her meals. If she was sick to her stomach, she can feel that. It's conjured up in her, in, in her mind. She had a headache. She, she knows it. She can tell you. In an interview about her condition, she told the interviewer that the very day before their interview was a particularly bad day for her in middle school. And she said, when I woke up yesterday, I could remember the day that a boy really, really picked on me and and bullied me. And she said, it was as if, in remembering that, it was as if it just happened. And she said, even now, it took a bit of my confidence away. As this woman continued to comment on her condition, she said this, it seems like you hold on to everything. And it seems like you're just stuck in the past all the time. She said that it bothers her that there are no fresh days, that there are no clean slates. Now, some of you who are hearing this, you don't have the condition H-Sam. But some of you do relive the past. You do have regrets and guilt that that weigh you down. You wish you could go back and you could get a do-over, but... But you can't live there. This is not what God has for you. What do you do with your past? You ask God to forgive you? If you need to make some things right, then, then you make the things right that you can make right. And then by God's good grace, you move ahead. You fix your eyes ahead. You can't live there. So don't let the past hold you back. That time that you were really close to Jesus, quit living off that. It's time to begin growing now. Many of you believe because of your past, God, God can't use you. you. You say, well, I've done this or that. God could, could never use me. I can't grow deep in Him. I can't love Him with all that I am. Look at what I did. Look at, 
Look at the regrets I have. I'm too far gone. But Paul will have none of that foolish talk. He'll have none of it as far as the past goes. You do what you can to make things right. You get forgiveness, as I said a moment ago, and you keep going. So put your energy, not by looking into the rearview mirror, but put your energy straight ahead as you run toward the goal of knowing Christ more and more. So push ahead. Don't be paralyzed by your past. We all have one. And you know what? The Lord can use the past in our lives to remind us how desperately we need His grace. But He does not intend for our past to become a prison. It keeps us from moving forward. So by His grace, by His wonderful grace, we move ahead. We move ahead with passion. So how else do we passionately pursue Christ? Let's look in verse 14. Paul clearly knows what he's aiming for. His goal is to stand in the presence of Christ, to to be there in heaven enjoying the rewards and spiritual blessings of, 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 of knowing him and being in his presence. And ultimately, when we go to heaven, we will know Christ perfectly. We will become fully mature. Oh, Paul looks to that day. In verse 14, Paul speaks of God's heavenly call. And likely what what Paul is referring to is that day when he met the Lord Jesus there on the road to Damascus. On that day, the Lord called him to forsake his sin and to begin moving forward into a deeper relationship with himself, to to begin walking with him. And every single one of us who knows Jesus, we've had that day when God has called us to, to know him, when God has called us into a relationship with him. This is the high calling that you have, that I have, to forsake sin and to walk close to the Lord Jesus. Now, Paul anticipated that day when he would stand before the Lord and receive his reward. In 2 Timothy 4.8, Paul said this, There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who loved his appearing. So how do we passionately pursue Christ? Well, first, we make every effort to know Jesus. Second, we forget the past and we move ahead. And from verse 14, we keep looking to the heavenly prize. We keep looking to the heavenly prize. Think about an Olympian who trains for years, enduring hour after hour of exhausting workouts. Other people their age are hanging out, taking it easy. But an Olympian is training Other young people are eating as they please, but not so the Olympian. The Olympian's maintaining a a strict diet. That Olympian, she's working out. She's maintaining day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. She's maintaining discipline. Why? Because she sets her eyes on what's ahead. She wants to take home the gold. She wants to take home the gold, and it means that she can endure And keep going because she keeps her eyes on the prize. And we too can move ahead in our relationship with Christ and in knowing Him. We don't have to be high-centered. One of the ways that we move ahead is we fix our eyes on that prize. We put our eyes on, on the goal. So we keep heaven in view. So when you're battling discouragement in your walk with Christ... When you're battling sin and it seems like I just did that sin and here I am doing the same sin again and you're, you're discouraged, you, you come to the place of wanting to lose heart, 
Friend, keep heaven in view. Why do you forsake sin? Why do you keep fighting the battle? Because one day, you're going to stand before the Lord Jesus. And when you do, you want to please him. You want your life to have brought him great honor. Now, I want to be clear. You're not made right with God. You're not saved by being good. That's ridiculous. We could never be good enough to merit God's favor. The only way we receive the favor of God, the only way we receive salvation is through the Lord Jesus. You see, God loves so much that he sent Jesus to this earth to live a perfect life. And he was nailed to the cross and he suffered and he died. Why? Well, look in the mirror for your sin, for my sin. And he made a way for all of our sins to be wiped clean. When we call out to him in faith, God saves us, not because I'm good, but because Jesus is good on the basis of Christ's perfect life and sacrifice. That's how we're saved. But friend, once you're saved, then you want to live a life that honors the Lord Jesus. And when you stand before him that day in heaven, you want your life to have brought him great glory. So keep heaven in view. Heaven is going to make all the battles worth it. So keep running the race. Keep looking ahead to the prize. It's going to be worth it. Keep looking to the heavenly prize. How else do we passionately pursue Christ? Let's look in verse 15. Paul says that those who are mature in Christ will think this way. In other words, all who are mature in Christ are going to recognize their need for spiritual growth. They're going to recognize that they need to continue to mature in Christ. And we see in, Paul, in verse 15, Paul trusted that God would be at work in their hearts to, to bring that about. So how do we passionately pursue Christ? We make every effort to know him. We put the past behind us and we move ahead. We keep looking for the heavenly prize. And from verse 15, have a humble view of yourself. Have a humble view of yourself. Maybe you read about the farmer who went out to check on his expectant cows and on the way out in the distance he happened to see a tiger. He wasn't sure what he should do. Now, he was in Scotland. If he had lived in South Texas, I have a sneaky feeling he would have figured out what to do. But um, living in Scotland, he called the police. And the police arrived. And, and there was a 45-minute standoff between the tiger and the police. And after about an hour or so of watching this tiger, the police began to, to become a bit suspicious. Because the tiger never moved. Not one bit. You know what it was. It was a life-sized stuffed tiger. That's what it was. But he sure tricked a farmer, and he sure tricked for a while some police officers. Now, some of you are certain that you're right where you need to be spiritually, only you're not. You're deceiving yourself. If you think that you've arrived spiritually, what Paul is saying is that's evidence that you haven't. That's proof that you need to grow and mature. So we should ask the Lord to help us see areas in our lives where we need to grow. We should ask the Lord to help us see ourselves as he sees us. So if you're satisfied with where you're at spiritually, there's a big problem. It could be that there's another tiger on the loose. 
You see, we must have a humble view of ourselves, recognizing our need for spiritual growth. How else do we passionately pursue Christ? Let's look in verse 16. Here Paul urges the Philippians to continue living out the truths that had brought them this far. They press forward into knowing Christ more. And this is going to mean being faithful to what they've already learned. So Paul is saying, you keep growing, keep progressing in your faith. Don't get off track. Don't get off track. So how do we pursue Christ passionately? Well, we make every effort to know Him. We forget the past and we move forward. We keep the heavenly prize in view. We, we strive to walk with a humble heart. And from verse 16, we keep living out the truths of the gospel. We keep living the truths of the gospel. Now, if you want to get healthy, you can't eat really good for a while. And then when you reach your preferred weight, then you eat whatever you want. Because if you live like that, what's going to happen is all the progress that you made is going to disappear. You, you, you step on those scales, I've arrived, I made it to the weight I was aiming for, now I can eat whatever I want. We would say to that person, you're crazy. It doesn't work like that. If you want to stay healthy, you have to keep eating healthy. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Now, here's the deal. Spiritually, we don't reach a certain level spiritually and say, you know what, I'm going to put it on coast. I'm going to put it on cruise. Everything's good. No, we got to keep moving ahead. That's what Paul's saying. Don't, don't go backwards in your faith. Reach a level of maturity and keep walking that path. Keep staying on the path. So how do we put this into our lives practically? Every single day, strive to live according to God's word. Sure, you're going to fail sometimes. What do you do when you fail? Well, you ask God to forgive you, and you get back up, and you get on track. You keep pressing ahead. Depend on the Lord as you seek to live for him. In a sermon like this, I fear that you could get the idea that I'm saying to you, just straighten up and live right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to you, long for and desire to know the Lord Jesus and then do the things that will help you know him. But ultimately, brothers and sisters, the good news is this. You're not dependent upon your own strength. When you say to the Lord, I want to know you, and then you do the things that you can do. You do read the word. You do pray. You do serve. You do get plugged in in church. Those kinds of things. You do the things that will help you. Then what happens is this. God works inside of you to help you live out these things. You see, when deep in your heart you love him, then that begins to work itself out in the way that you live. Why? Because if you really love him, your heart deep down really treasures him, well, then you want to start living in a way that pleases him. And so now instead of just gritting your teeth and going, well, I got to do this and I got to do that, now you're saying, I love Jesus and I want to know him. There's no way I'm doing that. Not, there's no way I'm not doing this because this is going to help me know him more and love him more. Do you see the difference in motivation? When we seek him, he helps us to change and he helps us to stay on the path. He helps us to passionately pursue the power of the gospel as it work in our lives so we rely on him and his help as we seek to live out the truths of the gospel. So keep living the truths of the gospel. Every year, the founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, sends out a letter to investors. And in this letter, every year, Bezos consistently emphasizes the long game. Now, when Bezos 
founded Amazon in 1994. This emphasis on the long term helped him earn the 35th spot on the global Fortune 500 list within 20 years. Quite an accomplishment if you think about it. In 1997, his first letter like this to investors, he wrote this. We will continue to make investment decisions in light of long-term market leadership considerations rather than short-term profitability considerations or short-term Wall Street reactions. What we see in Bezos was a commitment to the end game. What am I going for? And Amazon has been a remarkably successful company. None of us has to be told that, do we? Likewise, we need a spiritual emphasis on the long term. You want to keep passionately pursuing Jesus? Then look ahead. Look ahead to to the prize. What are you aiming for? What are you chasing after? Well, friend, let me tell you what what I want to hear. When I stand before the Lord Jesus, I long to hear him say, Well done. Well done. Now that is worth chasing. That's a goal that's worth chasing. That's a passion that's worth pursuing. So yes, passionately pursue him. Believer, are you? Are you passionately pursuing him? Or have you become high-centered? You've got a world of excuses for why you're here. It's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you, I don't care how old you are. If you know Jesus, God's plan for you is that you would be in passionate pursuit. Think Kundog. He wants you to chase him, to be after him. So ask him to give you that hunger to know him more. Ask him to help you. And by his grace, friend, you're going to get unstuck if you're stuck. Or if you're moving along and Maybe it needs to be a little more bigger. By his grace, he'll help you to to pursue him passionately. Now, some of you who are here today, you can't pursue Jesus passionately because you don't have a relationship with him. See, the Bible teaches that every person is lost and separated from God for all eternity. The only hope of, of, of being rescued from our lostness It's the Lord Jesus. So I ask you today, has there been a time in your life where you've called out to Jesus and you've said to him, God, please forgive me of my sins. Rescue me. I want to follow you. If that's never happened this morning, I want you to know there's no more important decision that you could make than to call out to Jesus in simple faith. How how do you do that? You just say to him, forgive me for my sins. I don't want to go my own way anymore. Lord, I believe in you putting my life in your hands. And the Bible says that when you call out to Jesus like that, he'll save you and he'll never, ever let go of you. And then he'll put you on this pursuit of becoming more like him, of knowing him more, until one day, if you are in Christ, you'll stand before him in heavenly glory. Oh, if you don't know him, today, today could be the day. Friend, why not today? Let's pray.